Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today we'll find some action with Arnold and dive into our first book segment. We'll also get political over Eminem and try our luck with another round of series survival. It's time for a top three turf war. There is an Arnold Schwarzenegger film coming to cinemas this Friday. It's called Killing Gunther, and it's kind of a mockumentary of mercenaries and, you know, guns for hire. It's like an action hero mockumentary a little bit. It looks so funny. It's been a really long time since there's been, like, a big mockumentary. Arnold Schwarzenegger has had this, like storied career he's had ups he's had downs he's had controversies obviously he's had his political career but everybody comes back to his film career and obviously he did too so we thought we'd talk about our favorite arnold schwarzenegger picks in this top three turf war ivana what's your number three my number three is a real favorite of mine Kindergarten Cop. Aw, that's so sweet. When I was a kid, I knew that Hercules in New York was Arnold Schwarzenegger's like first movie, and I entered a contest, and I won a Kindergarten Cop jacket that was maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger's size, so I couldn't even fit into it. That's so cute. Why is it your number three? I just really enjoy that movie. It holds up, in my opinion. Like, if you, I've seen it maybe three years ago the last time and it just holds up it's really fun it's great because you get that softer side of Arnold so he's a hard man who becomes soft because of these adorable little kids and it's just fun and lighthearted, and that's why it's my favorite all right kindergarten cops are pretty good pick it it didn't make my list Uh, otherwise I would have told you right away My number three is The Running Man. I have never seen this. Based on a Stephen King novel, The Running Man is about a futuristic game show that takes prisoners, puts them in like life or death situations and says, if you can make it through the game show, you get your freedom. Ah. Arnold, of course, is our hero. He was put in prison. He is not a bad person. And he gets thrown into the Running Man game show, and we get to watch some awesome 80s Arnold. But it's also, like, a really cool story because it came from the brain of Stephen King. Somehow, it doesn't, like, spark my fancy. I'm not going to be rushing to watch it based on this description. But it sounds really fun, and I do love Stephen King. All right, my number two is a 1993 classic called Dave. Okay, I don't know if I can allow Dave into this picture. He was in it. He was in it for two seconds. Doesn't matter. We never stipulated that it had to be an Arnold-led film. It is like a full-on just, he's in it in a cameo role. He has a cameo role. I think he says one thing. Right, and if we were talking about our favorite Arnold performances, that would be completely not, like something that I could choose. However, given that these are movies that Arnold was in, he was in it and Dave was awesome. And I actually, okay, I went all right, through, go ahead. I'm going to just admit something here, which our audiences are probably going to just stare at me and go, what the heck? I went through his whole filmography. I have seen a total, a total of five movies 
that he has been in. I don't understand how that's possible. I apparently am not that interested in Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. <laughs> like, I don't know. So I had a very short list to pick from and Dave is really a great movie. And even though it's very much a Kevin Klein feature, he's still in it. And it's certainly better than the other two that are officially in my honorable mentions list. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So Dave is number two on your list. All right. Well, I'm going to go with my number two, which is Terminator 2 Judgment Day, uh, which I think is actually, it, it's not as gritty as the Terminator, but I do like it more than Terminator. It was one of the first right rated R movies my parents let me ever uh, borrow from the rental place. It was I had to coax them into it because that year in every film magazine I had, they were talking about the special effects in Terminator 2, which to this day hold up. I want to say that I have seen it at some point in time, but when I was young, and I have no idea which of all of the Terminator movies I have seen, and I can guarantee that I've never seen one like begin, beginning to end. So none so of them are on my list. You couldn't say with any certainty that you loved it. I, I can't even remember it enough to say that I know what happens in it, other than you kind of hear about things just because it is very big in pop culture and it is a really huge film. So I'm really happy that it's on your list because I think it deserves to be in our top three in general. Oh, absolutely. But because I haven't seen it enough, I wasn't able to sort of put it forward. So what is, like, I'm amazed. Like, what is your number one Arnold movie? I'm pretty happy with my number one Arnold movie. I think it's actually a really good movie. Um, and it is True Lies. All right, so my number one is also True Lies. So at least we have nice. that in common and we figured that out. Uh, it's another James Cameron-directed film. Yeah, it's James Cameron. It's starring Jamie Lee Curtis, the Scream Queen herself, and Arnold. And uh, when I was young, I couldn't tell apart Sigourney Weaver and Jamie Lee Curtis. And I just think that's kind of funny, given that Dave is my number two film. That is shocking. You couldn't tell those two apart. Especially to this day, because... I, get, I always have to like double check. Like, which one are you? <laughs> Oh my gosh, that Jamie Lee Curtis scene. I saw the movie in theaters with my parents at such an impressionable age because that strip dance scene with Jamie Lee Curtis, it stayed with me for a long, long time. I love how much people like, and, and guys in general, who have seen Jamie Lee Curtis in her performances just think that she's so hot. And she's beautiful, don't get me wrong. But I just don't see it. Like, I cannot put that sexuality into her. And I'm staring right now at a still of the striptease. I mean, she is hot. Her body is tight. That's what but I mean. I, I, she still somehow doesn't seem sexual to me. Oh, my gosh. I And the other fun thing about True Lies that we should talk about is how it's this non-conventional spy movie that came out at the time they gave it a comedic spin and we never really saw arnold doing comedies up until that point really like action comedies like this anyways this was more action than comedy and i think it was one of the first movies who really helped bring that into the forefront and, and into mainstream film. Well, we have some uh, some kooky Arnold Schwarzenegger movies to talk about to make our top three. Uh, obviously, True Lies stays where it is at number one. 
Yeah, I would agree that uh, Terminator 2 should be at number two. I think so. And so it's between Dave and what is your your third again? My third is Kindergarten Cop. Can I just say that I'm not poo-pooing Dave? I'm just saying I don't think it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Dave is actually one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a fantastic movie. If we go back to our categorize, I believe Dave was in my top five D movies. Like, I love that film so much. It's such a good film. So I don't want anyone thinking that I don't have love for Dave because I think it is a Capra-esque beautiful film. But we're talking about Arnold. Kindergarten Cop should be in the run should be there before the running man nice all right then we have a list i'm gonna tell you why because i liked what you said about him being soft and in the running man in all three of mine there is not a lot of room for softness and i like the idea of putting a softer arnold into our our collaborative top three. And on top of it, it's his best soft Arnold film. Yes. Nobody's saying like we should put Junior on this list. That's for sure. No. Although it's in my it's in my honorable mention. Of course it is because you've only seen five. five of his movies. I've only seen five. <laughs> and somehow Junior is one of the five. <laughs> okay. So here we go. Let's count this down. Number three. Kindergarten Cop. Number two, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. And the number one Arnold Schwarzenegger pick, True Lies. Nice. So what are your honorable mentions? Well, obviously the original Terminator is on my list. Mm -hmm. It was hard for me to choose between The Running Man and Predator. And I went with my personal preference. Um, But Predator is like what everybody remembers of Arnold, like up against this crazy alien in the jungle. It was amazing. So Predator had to make my list. Um, I also have Commando just because I love how silly that movie is. Is Commando the one where he is an like an action figure that turns into a human? No, I, I don't know what I don't know what that one is. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Is that even a real movie or did I make something up? I'm sure it is. I think you're thinking of either Last Action Hero where he is a movie hero that people watch on the screen and then he comes out of the movie and becomes like, I'm now in real life. Or you're thinking of Jingle All the Way where the whole movie he's trying to get an action hero for his little child who wants it? I've seen six Arnold movies. <laughs> <laughs> Commando is uh, Aly- Alyssa Milano plays his young daughter who's kidnapped and it is go time to get her back. But it doesn't sound like it's as good as Taken. Oh, yeah. No, Taken is done much better. <laughs> all right. What are your honorables? I guess my honorables includes Jingle All the Way, although begrudgingly, I'll admit. <laughs> Twins, which I think is a fantastic movie. Okay, and good also call. Junior, which is a movie. Which is a movie. Although, you know what? I don't mind Junior. I don't think it's so bad. You were right, though. It is a movie. <laughs> it is a movie. All right. It's break time, and I gotta ask Jay, I know it's coming up, when are you leaving for your brother's wedding? Yeah, so a couple weeks now. Pretty exciting. I know, I'm, I've never been to an all-inclusive before, he wanted to do a destination wedding, we're a little nervous about it, I go for my second shot of Twin Ricks tomorrow from the doctor, 
um, to get all my like, you're going to a Caribbean location, get your shots, have your Ducarol. So I've done the Ducarol and I've done the shot and I go to get my second shot. tomorrow. Awesome. I, so you wait, you've never been to an all-inclusive? Never. No, this will be my first time. Oh man. I mean, okay. When you go traveling to a not all-inclusive place, you know, you're busy, you're doing things, you're sightseeing, and that is a great vacation. Let's not pretend that that's, that is a fantastic vacation. But the all-inclusive is pretty special because it's all about rest and relaxation. That's what I'm looking forward to the most after the wedding. Right, of course. I, is like, the wedding within the first few days and then you have the rest of the week to like enjoy yourself? Yeah, so we fly out on a Wednesday, the wedding's on a Friday. Nice. Well, I think you're going to love it because beach, pool, bring a book. Bring well, that's some... what I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask our listeners, what books should I be reading on the beach? Obviously, for this podcast, I've already finished my my book that I was working on towards today. But what's next? I don't have another book on the go. So listeners, please send in suggestions because I got to fill up my Kobo before I go. Go. (laughs) This just in. Last week, Eminem dropped a new video and it's him freestyling a message to Donald Trump, to his fans, to Americans, to the world, really. And... He's really drawing a line in the sand and throwing some major shade down towards the president. And he even goes so far towards the end of this video to say that if you are an Eminem fan and a Trump supporter, fuck you. He doesn't want you as his fan anymore. He's putting the line in the sand. It's him or Trump. And that's how he sees it. So Jay, I don't know. What do you think about this? I watched the video of him trashing Trump and I said, sure. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like, if he doesn't like Trump, of course. We get really, really wrapped up, I think, in celebrities bashing the government and bashing our presidents. The United States president, mostly. You know, Canadians, Canadian celebrities have bashed our prime minister as well. Like, that's... Something we forget is that this has been going on throughout history. Um, And it's just happening more so because of who's in office now. There's more to say about uh, because more people are upset. Go back to Oscar speeches over the years. And there's been almost like 70s, earlier than the 70s, people talking out about the government, talking out about uh, why is this person in power and things like that. The drawing the line in the sand, I thought was particularly shocking because the nation is so divided. And to say I'm not standing with half of a country, I mean, that's a bold thing to say. It is bold. I think it's meant to be bold. And you're right. Artists, celebrities have always had political opinions and... Because people want to watch them, it's important that they use that platform to educate people. For me, the best part of this uh, freestyle was that Trump is a master of deflecting and basically controlling the media towards the conversation that he wants everyone to be talking about. And he points out the fact that here we are talking about whether or not NFL players are taking a knee during the national anthem because they want to use, again, their fame 
to have a platform to say something and stand behind something that they believe in. And, and Trump is like almost expertly deflecting attention of these news outlets towards talking about the NFL rather than talking about issues that matter, Puerto Rico, gun control. When we were talking about Vegas, everyone was like, let's mourn, let's not talk about gun control, that would be rude. And, and now we're talking about NFL again and what happened to having a conversation about the fact that one man was able to get his hands on so many different guns. And I don't mind the fact that he's saying he doesn't want to stand by fans who are also Trump supporters. There was an article in The Atlantic that says that Eminem, partly because he is white and partly because uh, he has had a history of how you know having misogynistic lyrics homophobic lyrics in his songs that a lot of trump supporters are also eminem fans that's a great point you know when you think back to his younger days a lot of those lyrics were really really anti-gay um yeah over the years we can see that eminem is he is not anti-gay uh, the his his cameo in the movie the interview Probably the best, <laughs> the best example of that when James Franco's character in the in the movie says, "So why do you always have such homophobic rage in in your songs? Can you tell us about that?" And he's like, "Well, because I'm gay," and like it's this <laughs> great moment where everybody reacts and it's just, "Did Eminem just say he's gay on our show?" And like, listen, <laughs> so obviously he he has grown as a person. I don't know Eminem, but. Showing that moment in the interview, he's gotta he's gotta be lightening up a little bit. Not to mention, this is this is a direct hey, if you are that way and you're racist and you wanna kick people out of the country, I don't wanna talk to you. And and I kinda like that. I like that he's taking a stance, partly because he he's in a position to take that stance. He was so emotional that he took these pauses and then came back with another argument and another argument. And it almost looked like he was on the verge of crying at points. Yeah, and let's face it, Eminem is not doing amazing record-breaking anything at this time. I, I think it's he been has like a signal th- or a single. It's been... Th- Three years since he's released an album, and I think this is the beginning of him promoting whatever's about to come out. Yeah, so why not do something super controversial? It's great marketing, (laughs) and uh, see what comes out. So I think I don't think it's like dumb for him to do it. I don't think that he's gonna really alienate an audience, but I think by saying here's the line in the sand, what it does do is eliminate any conversation to come together. Um, it, like it, It's another wall for people who did support Trump and the people who don't support Trump to come together to talk about why. That's true. Well, if you guys are curious, if you haven't seen this video, which you must have been under a rock for the last week, um, you can check it out. We're linking to it in our show notes. We are very happy to announce that the day has come. We've been inviting you to read The Disaster Artist by Greg Sestero and Tom Bissell for about a month now, maybe even a little bit more than a month. 
And finally, we're going to be talking about this book in our brand spanking new segment right now. All right, let's jump in. So The Disaster Artist is an in-depth autobiographical account of Greg Sestero's relationship with Tommy Wiseau and a behind-the-scenes look at the making of the most famous and arguably the best bad movie of all time. The Room has captivated audiences around North America since 2003. This book has even been adapted into a film that's coming out December 1st with the Franco brothers. All right, Jay, what did you think about this book? Okay, so as a guy who loves listening about behind the scenes of filmmaking, I was enamored by the process of what it took to make this movie. Um, I was enthralled by Tommy Wiseau. um, and Yeah, I was enthralled by Tommy Wiseau and not so much by Greg Greg Sestero. Well, that's the thing. We we listened to the audiobook. I mean, first of all, the guy does a great Tommy Wiseau impression all the yeah, way through. I, that, like, you have to hand it to him. If you're listening to the audiobook, um, his Tommy Wiseau impressions, his intonations, the voice, everything, it's spot on. It's like somebody else jumped into the audio cast while you're, while you're actually listening to the book, but... Uh, that aside, you know, Greg Sestero kind of is the everyman who meets this bizarre creature named Tommy. Um, and I feel myself enjoying that aspect, his relationship with Greg, even more so than the making of The Room. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that there's a lot of magic to it. Except that I disagree that I think that Greg Sestero is the everyman. I, I do agree that he wants, he's casting himself in that light. Um, I also want to mention, as, as a rule, I prefer to listen to books in like the speed that they're recorded. And I actually lis- listened to this book at 1.25 speed because I thought he was like shockingly slow in his reading. No, you're right. He's a little slow. Yeah, when I sped it up to 1.25, then it kind of sounded like a a good book flow. I do have problems with the book. I didn't expect the book to be what it was. Like, flat out, I'm just going to say, I didn't expect it. There's a movie coming out about this book, and I think this story is going to make a really good movie. So, hold on. What did you expect this book to be? The jumping around timelines, I didn't expect that. I didn't particularly expect it, but the second it started happening, I was like, yeah, of course they chose to do it this way. That's really smart. And I also didn't expect to empathize with Tommy Wiseau because he's such an oddball character. Um, You know, you get further into the book and they really, they go down what his life has been like and how he made his fortune and all of that was really, to me, like a, quite a sad, dramatic story in itself. I felt like that could be a movie. I, I didn't expect how angry I was often uh, it, throughout parts of this at Greg Sestero. Okay, why were you angry at Greg? Um, I think that he was unfairly harsh with Tommy throughout the book. I felt like... There was often these digs and these sort of items. And and some of it, 
while being factual, he just, to me, seemed ungrateful. I mean, I hate to say this, but The Room is the biggest movie that he's ever been in. That is true. I get the sense that he feels like he's better than Tommy and better than The Room. I I didn't get that. I didn't get the same feeling out of Greg because I got the impression by the end of the book that he owes Tommy a lot. While Tommy certainly put Greg through the ringer. Yeah. Um, like Tommy wasn't a great friend to him either. Um, and, I, and I've got to believe that that's why he wrote this book. Tommy has, Tommy has a lot of mental issues in that he's obviously had a difficult life. He's obviously uh, had traumas that he has not dealt with. And he probably would be well served to go through therapy. And you're right. It ends on a very positive note. But throughout, he he does. I mean, he thinks... He thinks of himself as, you know, and and I don't disagree. Like if he's getting callbacks and almost being in all these Hollywood pictures, he's like so close to making it. But at the end of the day, he doesn't make it. And I rewatched The Room last night after I finished the book. And he's like one of the worst actors in it. Oh, really? Like you read this because you hear it from him and you start to think, oh, he's so talented, but... He's he when I rewatched it last night, I was actually shocked that and I, and he does say, he says full on throughout this that he phones in his performance that he doesn't try hard, that it was really hard during filming and he he was just trying to stick through it for the well, money. Also, I mean, he he totally stole that role from the other guy. I which know. Felt I think really Tommy, really weird. I admit that I totally think Tommy pushed him into it. I mean, if someone said to you, you're going to act in this and I'm going to pay you a crazy amount of money to act in it, who would say no to that? I think that that was a completely justifiable action. And the other guy, I don't think that he seemed to care. In fact, I think that given the fact that so many different crews and so many different actors had left, this production, it's just proof that it, Tommy was extremely difficult to work with, especially in this movie, because I think it, it was, it meant the world to Tommy because it was either proof that he's, life is worth living or it's not. And so, and he didn't know what he was doing at all and yet insisted that it had to be his way, even though, I mean, in some ways, maybe he was right because if anyone had convinced him to make the movie any better, even a modicum better than it is, it wouldn't be this bad movie classic. Besides Greg, because I think we differ a little on how Greg is, um, what other parts of the the book did you did, did resonated with you and that you didn't didn't like? Like, it was hard for me to hear. About the sex scenes with actresses. It was yeah. hard for me to hear about him going to town on a dress in front of everybody for God knows how long. Um, and the way he treated people. I like I've got to believe that all this is probably how it went down. 
Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. But I found that those things obviously made it more entertaining of a book. I, I've kind of already said it, but do you think this story as a whole will make for a compelling f- movie? So I've been ignoring everything about um, the disaster artist. There's been already a lot of reviews. There's a trailer. I haven't seen it. However, today, after I rewatched The Room, after I've already read The Disaster Artist, I couldn't help myself. And I read an article about The Disaster Artist movie. Um, So, and what they say is that uh, the Franco brothers are the perfect people to be doing this because their chemistry and love and the closeness of them as brothers comes through in the movie and it only makes it more charming and that the movie itself is much more endearing and even more elevated than the book it's based on. I can imagine that because I don't think, uh, you know, Tom Bissell is a, I think he's an entertainment writer and Greg Sestero is an actor. So I didn't, I genuinely just found the book like fluff yeah but i think that you could find a great film inside the book i agree and i think that they took certain liberties and their movie has different themes it goes through the same facts but the movie has a different message and a different theme and i think they'll stay close to that talented mr ripley idea that sistero kind of points you in i think they're gonna go more heartwarming and instead of i i think that they're they're gonna be truthful and account for all of the almost abusive-esque codependence that that happens but i think that where i didn't i don't feel love when up until the very end of this book in in greg's voice in the way the things that he said these offhanded insults that were peppered all throughout the movie or the book um I got the feeling that Greg doesn't like Tommy. And the way Tommy treats people, I, I don't blame him. Yeah, I'd hate I don't that blame too. him either. But I'd probably stop hanging out with him really quick. People who are that insecure will repeatedly do things that will push other people away. And um, that's I- why that scene in the, in the book about... Um, how he basically yells at him, tells him he's walking home, doesn't want him in his life because he's got other friends. And then he like drives up and is like begging him. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be that way. I, you know, it's almost like a codependent girlfriend and not just a friendship. I think that friendships and, uh, relationships you know romantic relationships are much more alike than our society likes to admit and really the only difference is that with our friendships we don't also have the sexuality to confuse it but the codependence the love the feelings the the possessiveness they can all exist in friendship just as much as any relationship one of the things i really liked is that they kept coming back to uh, I brought it up earlier. The Talented Mr. Ripley. Have you seen that movie? A long time ago. It made me Did really want like to it? rewatch it. Um, I remember liking it, but it okay. was... I, I don't remember it that clearly. I did not like it. And hmm. I kind of want to watch it. 
Yeah, I, I, after watching this, I also kind of want to watch it again. So I'm wondering, next week, shall we do a take two with the talented Mr. Ripley? Oh my gosh, yes, let's do it. All right, so next week, join us for a take two. We're going to watch the talented Mr. Ripley, which feels so good after this book. Um, hopefully you stayed through us talking about the book, even though maybe you didn't read it. Hopefully you read it along with us. Let us know what should be the next book and we'll announce it next week, maybe. And we'll give you another five weeks to read it and we'll come back to the segment then. I think that's a great idea. I like this a lot. (laughs) Series survival. Dun, dun, dun. It's time for another series survival. That's right. And uh, we still don't have any canceled shows. So we have no updates. This we probably be... won't have updates for until the spring, realistically. Yeah, let's be realistic. If, if one pops out, though, you know I'm sharing. Well, three. Three. I know, but I'm going to share regardless with you. I'll tell you, Ivana. <laughs> All right, so our first show that we watched the trailer for is a new comedy coming to Fox. It's called L.A. to Vegas. What do you think, Jay? Is it going to be renewed? My God, I laughed a lot in that trailer. It reminded me of the movie Airplane, but not... I don't know how to describe it, but it looks funny. It's about a, a weekend Friday flight from Los Angeles to Vegas... And what happens on that Friday flight and the Sunday return as well, it looks like. It all takes place surrounding that that idea, that concept. So the cast is pretty awesome. The, it was a very, very funny uh, trailer. I think a lot of people are going to watch it. And I think it's going to be renewed for a second season. Definitely going to be renewed for a second season. Uh, the, it's Dylan McDermott. I mean, he's... He's huge. He's going to completely kill it. Uh, and Dylan is doing a character we haven't seen before. You're right. He usually is the straight man. He usually is, you know, a good guy. And he's pretty deplorable in the most lovable way. Oh, my God. I love it. There's so many visual gags. Um, I, I love that at the very beginning of the trailer, he's like, all right, your flight from L.A. to Las Wages. And he looks at his co-pilot. Why aren't you laughing? I've heard it like a thousand times, man. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is another Fox show on the list, and it's a new doctor uh, hospital show called The Resident. Now, this one is about a, a new resident who comes to a hospital and has to deal with, like, the chief resident, I guess. I don't, I don't know what you call the, the boss of the student that's coming to learn in the hospital. But apparently this guy is, like, hard to deal with. But there's an overarching story that the, the head surgeon in all of the hospital... He's making mistakes and people are dying. What do you think of the resident of Ana? Is this going to be renewed? It's going to be canceled. <gasps> Why? I think it's too much of a through story for a hospital piece for Fox, for one. Uh, two, uh, there were aspects of this trailer that stood out to me as strange. Like, 
at first you think that the resident is a good guy, right? Like he's saying, all right, this, this head surgeon is making mistakes and maybe there's something wrong. But then all of a sudden he's also yelling at this other head resident and telling him what to do. And he just feels really controlling and strange in a way that I don't know that I can get behind even in watching the trailer. I think that people have found their doctor show in The Good Doctor. This is not, though, like they're not even the same. I think that people are going to stick with one doctor show and The Good Doctor will be the new Grey's Anatomy. And I think The Resident is trying to be the Grey's Anatomy, but I think it will also be canceled and not come back for season two. So again, we both say renewed, we both say canceled, which brings us to our third, Louder Milk. Is this the first original AT&T series? Yes. Uh, it also looks like uh, it's being distributed by something called the Audience Network, which I guess is the AT&T series platform. I, I'm not really sure. I but think you're it's right. going to be something you can access in the States. Me in Canada, maybe not. I'm sure that you'll have some way to access it. I'm sure that I will. And you know what? I think in order to watch it, I may need to because I believe this show is going to be too small to find an audience. However, I think it'll be renewed. Ladder Milk reminds me a little bit of Flaked, um, but Flaked has a, a very particular feel to it. Like they, they feel like different shows, even though they're both seeming to be about similar things. I don't know why it's, I'm not grabbed by this show. I don't actually want to tune in. And I, I, I don't think it's going to, I don't think people are going to tune in. Here's my other thing about this. I think maybe, you know, they, they put 12 in a bucket, um, 12 episodes in the bucket. And then like, the first six are going to air as a first season and they'll air the other six as a second season. I don't know. Sometimes uh, these small distributors decide to have short run seasons and they'll get all of them in the can because their talent needs to go do other things. And then they're like, well, we got a show for two seasons. Ha ha. Um, because AT&T really like they can keep going. But AT&T is, is not a small distributor. I mean, they are a, a media conglomerate. And I'm actually shocked because I found this on a list where it exhaustively lists everything that's coming out in the fall. I'd never heard of it before. N neither had I. You know, then there's also play number three. What happens... Like, I have a feeling what we're going to start to see, and, and I don't think it'll happen with this show, but I think it will start coming next season. Um, people are going to start throwing their hats in the ring with these shows. They're not going to say, because this is Netflix. Netflix never says whether something is even, like, they, don't, they quietly cancel, and they even sometimes quietly renew. Yep, that happens a lot, too. Those bastards. And I will say this. One of the ones we've done has uh, received a full season order. So we're getting closer to finding out if anything's canceled or not. And then I win. <laughs> Spring is still... We have to get through winter, mister. And that's our show. 
Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next week. If you want to help us support the show, we would really appreciate it. All you have to do is hop onto iTunes or whatever podcast service you use and just give us a quick rating and review. BenSound.com is our intro source and we encourage you to check out our show notes to find more information about the topics we've had, find out about our music, our talented voice actors, and the sound effects we use. Jay and I love to hear from you, so please don't be a stranger. Reach out to us. You can find us on morethanmovies.net. On Facebook at More Than Movies Podcast. You can email us, hello, at morethanmovies.net. Or catch us on Twitter. I'm at Jester J. I'm at It's Savannah. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back again next Monday with an all-new episode. And until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more. <laughs>